Hi again, everyone. Welcome to the Raw Sports Report, episode six of this new podcast that I have uh, enjoyed doing so far and uh, talking about all sports in the previous five episodes. And since I last recorded, the Atlanta Braves have ended their season. We're not going to talk about baseball. I'm still not quite over that yet. Uh, Not going to talk college football. We are going to turn the page and talk about the college basketball season that will gear up in a couple of weeks. And uh, to do that, I have a very special guest, the first ever guest on the Raw Sports Reports, a former North Carolina. You're never a former North Carolina Tar Heel, isn't that right? That's right. So, a North Carolina Tar Heel, a member of the 2005 National Championship team, David Noel. David, thanks so much for joining us and being our first guest on the Raw Sports Report. I appreciate that, Robbie, man. I didn't know I was the first guest, man. You're supposed to have some some bells and whistles and all that kind of stuff for your first guest. Well, they're, they're, they're on the way. They're on the way. Oh, but, okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> but uh, first of all, of course, David, uh, now currently an assistant coach with the Motor City Crews with the Pistons G League. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. You're getting acclimated to living in the nor- in the Midwest. I'm sure that's been interesting um, here in the last couple months. But starting out, growing up in Durham, of course, right near the Duke Blue Devil campus, playing for Southern High School. Uh, as a middle schooler and high schooler, you got to see great Carolina and Duke basketball. You grew up watching Vince and Antoine and that crew and Shimon Williams going to Final Fours. Uh, of course, in 2000, Carolina went to a Final Four with Joe Forte. You saw a transition from Coach Dean Smith to Coach Guthridge to Coach Doherty. And then your freshman year, you come in with Coach Doherty. Talk about, first of all, your recruiting process. And was it Coach Gut that first started recruiting you, or was it was it Doherty or, or a little combination? So, actually, it was the football program at the University of North Carolina that started recruiting me. Um, So, uh, a lot of people forget that I came in as a football player, uh, and I chose North Carolina because they had a history of uh, allowing their football players to play basketball. Like, basketball was my love. I was really good at football, though, um, and saw it as a chance for me to continue my education and continue playing. Um, And then one winter night, after a basketball game, Coach Fred Quarterbaum, I'll never forget it. He came up to me and he talked to me. And he, um, at the time, he was saying that, you know, they really liked liked me and, and wanted to figure out a way to get me to just play basketball. And after that, we had another conversation with Coach Doherty. He came to a game. Um, I had a pretty good game. It was it was a really good game. I don't want to toot my own, but it was a really <laughs> good game against one of our rivals uh, over at Hillside. And so uh, they saw me play, and then they asked me after the game that I really want to just play basketball. And, you know, I sat down with my family and talked about it, and we said yes. Only problem was they didn't have a scholarship at the time. So I ended up walking on at the University of North Carolina my freshman year, much to the chagrin of the football program and and Coach Button at the time. Uh, And still to this day, ever since I had to call them and had a conversation with them about uh, decommitting and just playing basketball, Coach Button has never spoke to me again. So (laughs) I feel feel bad, but at the end of the day, I had to do what I felt, felt was right for me and my career. And, and, and it worked out pretty well. 
So during those times about uh, thinking about football and basketball, did you talk to Ronald Curry, who was a quarterback at North Carolina and a point guard on the basketball team, also very famous, if probably the most famous football basketball star in North Carolina, Julius Peppers? Uh, that, that's who I spoke to. I spoke to Julius Peppers. I actually spoke to Julius on my visit. Um, they, they were fresh off of the Peach Bowl, um, and I re- never forget it. Sam Akins was my was – my, uh, my um my host on on my my recruiting visit and Sam was just one of the coolest dudes ever man uh he rolled around in his in his blazer it was a two door blazer with 12 speakers in the back <laughs> and, so, and so like i i absolutely loved the atmosphere and and i was all in for on the football program and then you know me and Jules had the conversation um you know and he just kind of told me what it could be like and that kind of deal but then like i said fast forward to the winter because i took my visit that summer um fast forward to the winter it, it just it just all worked out for me to be able to play just basketball. And again, at the time, that was my love. Basketball was my love. So that's what I went with. And of course, your freshman year, the, the season of 03, you come in fresh off a season that is very forgettable for most North Carolina fans, the 02 season where Coach Doherty and that squad went 8-20. and 20. Uh, But the foundation was laid that year of the 8-20 and 20 with freshmen on that team, Jawad Williams, Melvin, uh, Melvin Scott, Jackie Manuel were the freshmen. You come in in the, uh, I guess, the fall of 02 going into the winter of 03 with Raymond Felton, Sean May, and yourself. So that's pretty six pretty good players right there going into the 03 season, which was your freshman year. Absolutely. And, and, and the foundation was set um, from that point on. Uh, because that was the nucleus of of what began uh, to be an historic run uh, for us at the University of North Carolina. Like that, that the team that we won with in 2005 was absolutely loaded. Uh, you you bring in so my my class, me, uh, Raymond Felton, Sean May, Rashad McCants, uh, Byron Sanders, Damian Grant, and then you follow that up with the Rayshon Terry. Um, and then you follow that up with the Marvin Williams and Quentin Thomas. Mm-hmm. And, and now you have the foundation. And then, of course, the coaching change with Coach Williams happens in 2003. And so I, I think I think what happened was we, we knew we had the talent. And now it was just about getting the guidance. And, and, and not that not that Coach Doherty couldn't do that. I just think Coach Doherty, his time was up. Uh, we, we had ran we had run short. And now Coach Williams comes in and now. You know, because of Coach Williams, we get Marvin Williams. So Marvin said I was going to play for Coach Williams wherever he was. And thankfully, he was at the University of North Carolina because Marvin Williams was definitely a huge part of why we were able to win a national championship um, uh, in, in 2005. So you're, you're watching the Final Four at the end of the 2003 season. Your season ended in the NIT in the third round, a loss, uh, 19-16. and 16. You're watching the Final Four, Carmelo mm. uh, winning the national championship against yeah. Coach Williams at Kansas. He walks off the floor. People ask him the questions. He said what he said on yeah. CBS, walking <laughs> off the floor. And then fast forward to, I think, April, a couple of weeks later, and here's the press conference. Talk us through that period of time from the end of the national championship game game when Coach Williams said that on CBS to being hired uh, as the North Carolina basketball coach. So I'm going to give you guys my perspective. 
I was absolutely happy that Coach Williams said that because at the time, I know I've, I'm, I have told this story before. I did not want to play for Coach Williams, so, so <laughs> this this is the way it was. So remember, if we fa- if we rewind back to the beginning of our freshman year, we played Kansas in the preseason mm-hmm. NIT, and Coach Doherty put in a system that he kind of knew would would uh, kind of chew. Kansas up because again we had identical systems and so we were able to get out and and I'm talking about we beat Kansas pretty good and while we're beating Kansas pretty good coach Williams is on the sideline going crazy I'm talking about he's fussing he's using all of the dad gums and everything and I'm like I'm looking I'm on the floor running up and down the court like man I don't never want to play for that dude (laughs) but sure enough fast forward to that April coach Williams accepts the job and I said oh my god this is a crazy man getting ready to come in here. But but to, much to my delight, Coach Williams was an absolute, like, mastermind of the game. Um, he was able to take us and mold us into the men and the players that we are now. Um, and, I, and, again, till this day, I, I thank Coach Williams for the opportunity that he gave me because, again, I came in under Coach Doherty. Um, and, and, again, I was a walk-on. And so – I was promised a scholarship, you know, for the, for that for that sophomore year and on. And and honestly, Coach Williams didn't have to honor that, and he did, man. So um, I spent my the rest of my time at the University of North Carolina trying to prove him right, and 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 I and I hope that I did a great job for it. And, and again, I thank him every single day for that. I think I think he would probably say you absolutely did, and you continued to prove to him throughout his first year, and then on his second and third year. That first year, 2004, you make a run in the NCAA tournament, lose to Texas in the second round. That off season, you knew what was coming back. You knew what was coming in with Marvin and and QT also, because I think and and I'm gonna ask this in a minute when we talk about 05 about Quentin, but and you can you can answer this. Uh, I think Quentin was. One of there were many unsung heroes on that 05 team, but Quentin was a very big part of that. But mm-hmm. talk about the offseason from 04 into 05, preseason rank number four in the country going into 05. What was the was there a difference in that offseason? Uh, in, in the previous offseasons, uh, the transition year, of course, was different from Doherty to Coach uh, Williams. But what was the preseason and offseason like heading into 05? The difference was accountability. So In 2003, when Coach Williams came in, he began to kind of force us to be accountable. And then it spilled over into player-to-player accountability. And so that's what the difference was. So we would go into like preseason and summers and all that kind of stuff. And, and guys would have excuses and guys would have, you know, little knickknack injuries and all this kind of stuff that they, you could go, but nah, my, I feel this a little bit, so I'm not going to go. We started holding each other accountable. We started holding each other accountable on and off the floor. And so what you saw in 2005 was a culmination of, yes, we had the talent, Okay, how do we mold this talent? And then player-to-player accountability. And I think that's what got us over the hump because the summer going into 2004, 2005 was completely different from the first two summers. And when I'm talking about from just a competitive nature, uh, from guys really like, hey, hey, 
we got to be here on time. Let's go. Like it, it was one of those type of atmospheres. Um, and, and I think that's when we became a lot closer. That's when we started doing a lot more things on and off the floor um, and, and, and excuse me, off the floor. And that and, and I think it just continued to spill over into the season. And it, it was a wonderful season for us. You talk about a wonderful season. You go to Santa Clara the first game of the year on, uh, and you drop a lo- drop the game. You're yeah. like, wait a minute. We, we, we had all this accountability and off-season work, and then you go to Santa Clara and you lose by 11, and you're kind of like scratching your head like, what just happened? Oh, absolutely. And now, I remember Raymond Felton didn't play that game. That's right. Um, but we still thought we had enough. And, and, I, and, and, I, and I tell people this all the time. The, the 2000... The, the four losses that we had in in the 2004-2005 season, I thought were perfect losses. Going into the season, we were ranked number one. We, 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 we jump out there with Santa Clara, and they stomp us. So now that brings us off of the cloud nine that we were on going into the season. You take us off of cloud now, nine, and now you humble us. And now it's like, okay, we realized the work that we got to put in. So we, we understood the accountability piece in the summer. And, but now we understand that we can't just walk out here on the floor. And because it says North Carolina across our jerseys, that people are going to lay down for us. And Santa Clara taught us that in the first loss of the season. So um, again, each loss that we had that, yeah, I felt like it taught us something. I felt like it was, it was, it was perfect for us. Um, They were learning experiences and we were able to grow throughout the season from each one of those losses. You reel off 14 wins in a row and then another loss at Wake, which uh, back in the day, going to Wake was one of, right right next to Duke probably, the second toughest place to go play basketball in the ACC. Absolutely. And at the time, they had an an incredible team um, with Chris Paul, Eric Williams, Justin Gray. Like, they they had a team full of studs. Um, uh, And and, uh, and a lot of those studs was from North Carolina. So, you know, again, it it was another opportunity for guys that probably wanted to be at North Carolina, ended up at Wake Forest. Not saying that there's, you know, there's a difference, but there is a difference. North Carolina's a blue blood. Let's, let's be honest. But at the end of the day, they taught us another lesson. Again, we can't come in just because we have North Carolina written across our shirt that and think that guys are going to lay down for us. And again, Wake Forest proved that point to us again. Uh, but again, we ran out. We had run. We had just run off 14 straight. That taught us again. Both both of those road losses taught us what it was going to be like in the tournament. Because being in the tournament, you weren't going to have any home games. And so I think again, these the, the L's that we chopped up in that season, perfect timing. The next L in that season was at Cameron. Lose yep. by one to Cameron in Cameron. Of course, everybody knows the Carolina Duke rivalry. We can touch on that in a little bit, but you lose by one uh, to uh, in the middle of the regular season, and that just leads to probably one of, if not the actually the best regular season game of 05 was at the Smith Center uh, there to finish the regular season against Duke when everybody learned who Marvin Williams was that day. Absolutely. And Coach Williams looked at us with I want to say about two minutes on the clock and say, hey, I want you all to believe in me. We're going to win this game. And, 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 and we had the confidence because I think we were down nine, something like that crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and we had the confidence and we knew that we, we, we would at least have an opportunity. We weren't going to just lay down. We weren't going to just give up. Um, and again, it's Duke on the other side. So that, that made it even more, that added even more fuel to the fire for us. So we ended up, Again, we all know how the game ended up. Marvin Williams gets an incredible putback off of a Raymond Felton uh, missed free throw. Um, and you see me jacking Marvin up. Everybody's so hyped. The Smith Center is as loud as I've ever heard it in, in, in my entire career uh, at the University of North Carolina. And, and we ended up pulling that victory out and becoming the regular season ACC champions. You go to the tournament, and uh, longtime North Carolina fans know it's okay to lose in the ACC tournament because most of the time when you lose in the ACC tournament, good things happen in the NCAA tournament, and that was the case. Absolutely. Absolutely. That that loss to, to Georgia Tech was, again, I've I, I felt like that was another one of our – because we didn't play that well against Clemson in the first game. Mm -hmm. Um, So we didn't play that well against Clemson in the first game. And then we come out and and Georgia Tech, again, they had a really good team at that time with B.J. Elder. um, What's the – Jared Jack. Jared Jack. um, uh, Will Bynum. Like, they they had a really good squad. Will Schentzer, like they, they had a really good team at that time, and they matched. Well, they, up they had just played for it. They had just played for it the year before and lost to UConn. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So they they're coming off of a national championship run, um, and then and then you you meet us in the ACC tournament. So uh, again, for us, we wanted to win that game. We wanted to win the ACC tournament, but we also knew the importance of what those losses again were going to mean. And to understand in a tournament setting, we can't have this type of lapse. We can't go out and play bad against Clemson and barely squeak by and then come out against Georgia Tech and actually lose. Because, again, that loot that, that ends all of our hope for a national championship run. And we and we really did believe we had the team for it. And, and all year we had proved it. And now it was time to go prove it in the NCAA tournament. Still got the one seed. Still got two games in Charlotte, which uh, is a blueprint for a Carolina Final Four run. Uh, maybe not outside of this past year, but uh, most times that Carolina has gone to the Final Four, it started in Greensboro or Charlotte uh, or or even Wake Forest. Uh, Lawrence Joel Coliseum and Winston Salem. They've gone uh, in the first two rounds, and then you go to Syracuse uh, against Villanova. And every national championship team in the NCAA tournament has that one game mm-hmm. that they have to get over. I think uh, 17 was second round against Arkansas, maybe, uh, that they there was a nip and tuck there uh, yeah. in the second round. Uh, but I think that was it. But yours was Villanova in the Sweet 16. Talk about that game surviving and had to come back and survive late to win by one. So, again, like the, the lesson that, that was learned early in that season against Duke, uh, the loss by one at Cameron prepared us for this 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 Villanova team. This Villanova team was really, really good. Oh my God. They were, they were, they were a monster. You talking about a three guard monster with Kyle Lowry. Um, um, uh, oh my God. Why are the names slipping my mind? Um, Alan Ray. Yep. And, and, I forget the I forget the other guard, but man, they had a three headed monster that was so good. And 
even bigs that were really, really good at the time, too. So that Villanova team was was definitely much to be matched at. And, and as we talk about, you know, unsung heroes of, of the tournament, Melvin Scott in that game was an unsung hero for us. He came off of the bench and not playing many minutes and came up and stepped up and hit big free throws, hit big shots, um, where we just didn't seem like we could get anything going. Uh, and, and, of course, Sean May had, had a heck of a game. Um, but but again, the the unsung hero of that game was Melvin Scott, and it just proved that again, him being a senior, not getting many minutes at the beginning, and then stepping up, it, it just showed you how deep our team was um, and, and how prepared we were for the run to the national championship. You go to St. Louis, uh, Coach Williams, of course, becomes kind of the talk there as will he get his first national championship. Uh, you go and spit in the Mississippi River like Coach Smith did in New Orleans in 1982. You get to the final game on Monday night, and it's Illinois. They, I think, they've been number one pretty much. It's either been you or Illinois, number one, all year long. They had a very, very good basketball team, and it came down to the wire. You ended up winning by five, but it was it – was down to the last minute what a good team illinois had that year too oh man they were loaded and randy foy was the other guy from villanova that's the other that's right Sorry, that's randy foy so randy foy alan ray and uh kyle lowry but but yes fast forward to uh illinois that we that was a dream matchup for us because everybody forgets like we had played uh illinois the previous two years yep so they smacked us our freshman year in Champaign because, again, we, we were coming off of the, you know, the, the fresh face uh, of the freshmen and coming off winning the preseason NIT and North Carolina's back. Everybody's screaming that. And then we go to Champaign and we get blitzed by Darren Williams and and, and D. Brown and, and um, Augustine and, and all of these guys. Luther, uh, Luther Head. Luther Head, yeah. Yes. And then the next year we see him again uh, in the in the ACC Big Ten Challenge in Greensboro, and we end up pulling that one out. So this was really a dream matchup for us, and, and we knew how good they were. They knew how good we were, um, and we we were we were ready for the game. We just we knew we we had a good feeling about it. We knew it was going to be a tough game, but I felt like there w- there was nobody in the locker room that doubted us winning this this game against Illinois. Was there a cooler looking dude than D Brown? Oh man, D Brown with the high socks and the headband, <laughs> and all the out there, fast as heck. Yeah, man, like <laughs> D Brown was that man, bro. Him and Ray used to have battles all through high school and all that kind of stuff because they were highly ranked, highly touted. Um, so it, it was definitely a, a great matchup of guards uh, and bigs. So how special, uh, of course, your career full of accolades. How special is it to this day that you were a part of a team that gave uh, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, basketball coach of all time his first national championship? Uh, it's, it's, it's something that we'll, we'll all cherish for the rest of our life, man. Um, again, not only not only do you we get to live out the dream of, of being one of the few college teams to win a national championship, but to provide a coach the stature of, of a coach, Roy Williams, his first national championship, like that is just, is is nothing that you can really, 
you you you, you can't you there's no words to describe it and, and you don't really think about it until you know you look back and you 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 remember you know the these times and you're like dang dang we really did give coach his first one and so as, as proud as we are of it and as proud as he he is of it um I think we all we all knew the work that it took and then we were we were just ready to give back to the younger generation the guys that were coming behind us kind of the blueprint so he could get more and and luckily he did. So you fast forward to the offseason between 05 and 06 after the celebrating did you kind of have a feeling that you were going to be the last man standing there in Chapel Hill with Sean and Raymond and uh, uh, McCants and Marvin going pro? Oh, absolutely. I, I had a feeling. And, and and again, a lot of people don't know this, but had all of them guys came back, David Noel may not have been there. Ah, interesting. Yeah. So, well, that, I won't say been there. David Noel probably would have went and played football. Okay. Because I didn't – it was the first time in my career that I thought about the after – Okay, what's next? What's next? And so I knew that if we had that entire team come back, I didn't think that I would be able to showcase who I was as a basketball player. And so I took it. I I thought about it and luckily it didn't happen. I had the conversation with my family um, and I told them, I said, if, if, if all of these guys come back, I'm not sure if, if I'll, if I'll just play basketball. Mm -hmm. And so when all of those guys left, I was happy. (laughs) I was happy for them, but I was also happy for myself because I said, this is going to give me a chance to show the side of David Noel that, that not a lot of people were, were, will be able to see because there was so, so much talent ahead of me um, on, on, on any given night. Now I, I was able to have my nights, you know, with Raymond there, with, with Sean there, with Marvin there, with Jawad there, with Jackie there, but, and I, and I played and I felt like I played my role perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, but at that particular time, it was the first time that I had thought about, Oh man, like, if if I can't show them what I can do, then I don't know about basketball after this. And and so and so that was my thought process. Luckily, it didn't happen that way uh, because 2006 was by far the funnest year that I've ever had playing basketball at the University of North Carolina. And I know people are going to question that because, again, 2005 was so fun with the finish of it and the national championship. But the the. The responsibility that was upon my shoulders to lead this young group of freshmen in 2006, man, it was unbelievable. It was it was incredible, and I enjoyed every single bit of it. And that was it. That's it. I mean, not only if Sean and the others would have stayed, but you had Tyler Hansbro, Danny oh. Green, Bobby Frazier, Marcus Ginyard all coming in. Right. And who would then, of course, as everyone knows, go on to win the 09 National Championship. But one thing I want to mention about that, that class that did leave, when they all declared, did could you see – uh, early on, that Marvin Williams would be the longest tenured NBA player of that group. Did you? Is that surprising to you, or did you kind of see that writing on the wall? Uh, 
um I I kind of saw that writing on the wall. To 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 be honest, I I I knew I knew Ray would last long. I I thought Sean would last long um because of his talent. Now again, Sean's career was cut a little bit short because of injuries. Mm-hmm. Um I knew how great of a player Rashad was. Uh, his situation turned out to just be a little bit different. Um, and so having Marvin, I so when Marvin came in his freshman year in 2004, 2005, it was the first time that I had ever seen somebody that highly touted work that hard. Like exactly. I, I, me, myself, I was known as a hard worker, but I didn't necessarily have the talent that that these guys had. I wasn't a McDonald's All American. I wasn't highly recruited. That type of deal. I just knew how. I knew I worked hard, and I knew I wanted to get better. So I worked at it every single day. Marvin had the talent, and he had the work ethic to to like to blow your mind. And so I kind of saw that he would he would go on to do big things. Um, I I think I think what did he get? Uh, he he went out and oh. Was it last year? Five, yep, and he oh, retired. Yeah. Yeah. No, he retired in the bubble. So the bubble yeah, was right. twenty twenty, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so you talking, you talking fifteen years, sixteen years, years yeah. in the league. So that like, and that's amazing. And he could have played some more. Like he decided to hang it up. So, so yeah, yeah. I kind of saw that writing on the wall, and because of the player that Marvin was. Um, and the way that he could he could finesse his game, change his game. He could go inside and out. He didn't necessarily have to rely on athleticism uh, because he was a great shooter. Uh, I, I definitely kind of saw that writing on the wall. So the 2006 season, unranked coming in, just off a national championship. It's you and the Kitty Corps. Yeah. You and Hansbro and Danny Green and Frazier and Ginyard. Uh, and of, of course, there were there were other others along the way that that were underclassmen, not just the freshmen, but um, the 06 team. You go 23 and eight, second in the ACC. You finish tenth in the country, and you lose to a Cinderella team and George Mason that went all the way to the Final Four. You personally. Average 12.9 points per game, 6.8 rebounds per game, and 3.5 assists per game, which that stat right there as a big man is something you, I'm sure you're proud of to share the basketball. But could you see, again, here's the writing on the wall, could you see in this 09, this 09 freshman class, they won all four times in Cameron. Mm-hmm. They went to two Final Fours. They went to, let's see, 07 was the Elite Eight. Was that the loss to Georgetown? Yeah. Or Kentucky? That was the yeah. cheat against Georgetown. But go ahead. That's right. <laughs> cheat against Georgetown. Uh, of course, the unfortunate Final Four in 08 against Kansas. Yeah. Um, and then the sticker gate when uh, when Roy put the sticker on in the finals. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, they obliterated the 09 National, uh, National Championship just running through that tournament without even hardly breaking a sweat. Easy. Could you see that writing on the wall as you were teaching and molding these freshmen into what they would become down the line in 09? I didn't... I can't say that I saw a national championship and how dominant they were. I did... I did see an incredible freshman class with a work ethic that was flawless. I saw an incredible freshman class with guys that that literally wanted to be 
the best that they could be at whatever role they had at the University of North Carolina. And then Tyler Hansbrough, his motor was like no other. So my first, my my senior year, their freshman year, I know everybody, you know, even Coach Williams talks talks about how how I led that team. Being a leader is great, like it is. Like like being a leader is fun. Like I I enjoyed my role, but those guys made it easy to lead. And because again, another another example of talent working crazy hard. Like Tyler Hansbrough was by far probably one of the best big men I've I've played with, and to watch him work every single day to get better at the University of North Carolina every single year. It was amazing to watch. And along with Danny Green, along now a lot of people forget like Danny wasn't necessarily one of the guys that was constantly in the rotation, you know, his freshman year. But yeah. he continued to work and work and work. And now you see Danny Green. And, and, and so what the Danny Green that you see now is the Danny Green that was at the University of North Carolina. He could do everything. He could defend. He could shoot it. He could handle it. He was by far one of the most versatile guards to ever play at the University of North Carolina. It, it was just every, everything around him, like all of the talent surrounding him kind of, again, like covered up what he could do. Um, so for for me and that team and what we did that year, uh, we knew it coming in. <laughs> And, and but we played it. Coach Williams would tell us all the time, "We're going to play it to the media." Yeah, we're young. You know, we don't have any expectations. But behind closed doors in those locker rooms and on that court, we knew that we were going to work every single day. We concentrated on the work that we put in, and it turned out to be a, a special season for us, um, and one that a lot of people didn't expect us to have. And of course, I, I said it was you and the freshman. You also still had Rayshon Terry with you, who was a junior, and Wes Miller. Um, who was a sharpshooter. He was uh, a, a junior on that team, too. Of course, now Wes Miller, the head coach of Cincinnati, uh, after having great success at uh, UNC Greensboro uh, and has earned a right to play, to be able to be able to coach at a, at a high level in college basketball. And QT was still there as well. So it wasn't just you and the Kitty Corps, but um, that that group, and you and you fell into James, uh, J- George Mason, but I guess the highlight of that, that year was – the win at Cameron, and it's 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 awful sweet to win in Cameron. And Tyler Hansbro and that group, Danny Danny Green and Bobby Frazier, never lost in Cameron. Right, and and I would be remiss to to not mention the growth of Rayshon Terry that year, his junior year. Like he was incredible. Um, again, we had Tyler Hansbro, and then Wes Miller. Becoming uh, the best shooter uh, to that I've played with in a in a, in a long time, um, and then the 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 Quentin Thomas being the steady hand. Like we ended up starting Bobby Frazier as a freshman, but Q always came in and gave us the steady hand. He always came in and gave us. 
the guy who we could always count on to be solid at every turn. And that's what we got in Cameron Indoor. Like, we got everybody's best. We knew Duke, who they were at the time. Uh, we knew J.J. was chasing a record. We knew all of these things. But at the end of the day, we told ourselves, Let, let's just keep working and we'll have an opportunity at the end. And sure enough, that's what ended up happening. They started off hot and it, and it cooled down pretty quick. Um, they made a run at the end, but we were able to su- sustain it and and come out with the victory. And from that point on, they like you talked about, that, that freshman class never lost in Cameron Indoor Stadium again. And then the next year uh, after you had left, uh, that next year – uh, they brought in another wave of stars with Wayne Ellington, Ty Lawson, uh, Brendan Wright, who stayed for one year. Uh, Alex Stevenson, I think, stayed for one year before he went out to uh, back to Los Angeles. And, of course, that was the foundation for 09. Absolutely. You were drafted by, you were drafted by the Bucks uh, and then played overseas a good bit um, in your professional career. But everybody always, and, and we'll talk, and we're going to fast forward in a moment to uh, to current day, but everybody talks about the summers after you graduate and you mm-hmm. come back and the the camp days that it is and, and everything like that with all the players that come back. Talk about some of those pickup games real quick, and then we'll preview what's to come this season. And then, and it, it was family. It was family-oriented. <laughs> um so I, we, we all would come back every single summer. Uh, and that and that's a part of trying to pass on the legacy, right? Like um, I had just led my group of freshmen uh, to, a, to a pretty good year. Again, unexpected uh, for what we had at the time. But then during the summers, you're able to talk to the incoming freshmen and let them know. And then you're able to still continue to talk to your Tyler Hambros and your, and your Bobby Frazier's and your Quentin Thomas's and your, and your Rayshon Terry's because they're they're coming back. And so you 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 tell them, hey, remember this, remember that, remember this, remember that. So the foundations of what you do for the next season is absolutely laid in the summers because again, that's that's a time for your chance. That's your chance for your game to grow as an individual. And if you get better individually, then you get you guys get better as a team. And so Tyler took a step forward. Rayshon took a step forward. You had the freshmen coming in who were who were really really talented, learning how to play hard like like we did on a, on a consistent basis. So um, the the amount of time spent in the summer is always great because. Again, you get that camaraderie. You get you get to pass down the knowledge that you're you're learning as you continue to go through uh, the rest of your career. So, in those pickup games, after you graduated, a couple summers later, what was the best five on the floor that you were a part of in one of those pickup games? Oh, that's a great question. That's a great question. <laughs> Because you, because again, you still, you still had old heads coming back. So you still had Shimon that was still coming back. You still had, yeah, buddy. Like Shimon was an absolute monster in pickup. 
and, and he would he would coach you while he was torching you. <laughs> like he'll be dribbling and you reach, yeah, don't reach, young fella, bang. And now he's <laughs> like that's the type of dude Jamal was. Oh my god! That, so I would say, I would say there was a team one time of. Because most of the time now, at that point, it's pros versus the current players. Mm-hmm. So we we rarely we rarely kind of mix the teams unless it was you know we just didn't have enough guys. But it was it was it was you know your your alumni versus the current guys. And I can say one 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 time it was Shaman, it was me, it was Jawad, it was Sheed. And who was our who was our other guy? You don't need anybody else. <laughs> yeah, you. I mean, you could just throw anybody else out there. But I feel like I want to say I know Ray came back often, but I don't think Ray was there that night. It was because it was, it was a night game. Um, it was it was during the camp and where where we would play like around ten o'clock at night. And I remember that it was it was it was me, Shaman, Jawad, Sheed, and Marvin. Marvin was the other guy. Marvin wow. was the other guy. So yeah. So that was our that was our five. Um and we ran off quite a few wins. She <laughs> she was out there shooting it from half court cash. <laughs> like he, he at that point in time he was running three point line to three point line. So like we but the 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 amount of talent that's in the gym in the summer times at the University of North Carolina, it, during those times was was unbelievable, man, unbelievable. Absolutely. So now we fast forward to 2020, and Armando Baycott's a freshman, Leaky Black's a sophomore, and Coach Williams. I, I don't really want to say it, but it he kind of had his 2002. They go 14 and 19 in the COVID season. It gets mm-hmm. canceled right after they lose to Syracuse in the NCAA tournament. Had it, it was a weird, weird season all the way around. COVID was weird. Cole Anthony started out hot, got hurt, never reached back to where he was in those first six or eight games. Right. Christian Keeling, they thought I thought coming in out of Charleston Southern, he was going to be fantastic. Uh, the Pierce kid coming out from William and Mary, I thought would be a good mix. And you had Baycott, you still had Garrison Brooks, and, and then Leakey. Things just didn't work. 2021, you bring in Caleb Love and R.J. Davis and Puff Johnson, their freshman year, which happens to be Roy's last at 18 and 11. They never really clicked after Cole left for one year. Did you see, and here we go, writing on the wall again, mm-hmm. in 2020, 2021, did you have any conversations with Coach Williams or did you see it coming that maybe he was about to hang up his whistle? I did not see that one coming at all. I was walking through the airport coming back from Puerto Rico and I got the call from Sean May and Sean said, hey man, just want to give you a heads up. Coach Williams is retiring. And I said, what? What are you talking about? And he was like, "We he wanted to give y'all a call before he hit the news. But yeah, he's done. And that's how we found out. Um, and so at that point, I shot Coach Williams a text message thanking him for taking a chance on me in 2003 and, and telling him thank you for every single thing. Because at that point, he was the reason why I was able to have the career that I had. Um, and again, 
I spent every single day at the University of North Carolina trying to prove him right. And and I, I it just all came to a head at that point. And all I could do was say thank you. And so to one of the greatest to ever do it. And I and I still say thank you to this day because I learned so much from him. And I'm taking a lot of what he did um, in coaching us um, as my foundation as a coach uh, in, in, in my career now. Was there ever a doubt that Hubert was going to be the guy uh, in the inner circle of you and your former players and the and the fraternity that is North Carolina basketball? Was there ever a doubt that Hubert was that any it would have been anybody other than Hubert taking the job or getting uh, an offer? Uh, honestly, I don't and I don't think anybody knew. I don't think anybody knew. Like it, like Hubert getting the job, it wasn't a shock, but we didn't know. So you know. Like I, I, from the outside looking in, it seems like, yeah, that, you know, that's the obvious choice. But at the time, nobody knew. And so, you know, again, the great job in hiring Hubert Davis. Um, he, he had done a heck of a job there at the University of North Carolina in recruiting and and coach brought coach Williams brought him in for a reason. And I, and I think it was a it was a great strategic plan by Coach Williams and him being a predecessor. Uh, he proved it this year. He proved it this year and why he can be one of the another great coach in the lineage of great coaches at the University of North Carolina. Back with David Noel, part of the 2005 National Championship team at North Carolina. And uh, in our first part, David, we were talking about the years prior to this coming season and last year, the dynamic season that they had in 2022. You were talking about uh, that you saw it. The talent was there. It was just getting all the pieces together. And that's what Coach Davis kind of put together uh, with his own little footprint or handprint on it, I guess you could say. Absolutely. I I always felt like that North Carolina had the talent to be a national championship contender. Like, I felt like we had everything we needed. We had good guard play. We had good big man play and we had shooting around that. So it was just a matter of it all coming together. But throughout the year, they just never showed the it it just it, it never came together for the University of North Carolina. So you had losses at Purdue, you had losses against Tennessee, like and they were big losses to Kentuckys. Like you, you, so all of the big teams that they played, they they never were able to kind of hold their own against it. So it didn't give us much confidence going into the uh, the the NCAA tournament. But I always felt like the talent was there. And, of course, uh, the, the last regular season game against Duke, which was a, a love fest for Duke all week long leading up to it and and then to completely go in there and demolish them on their senior night, Coach K's last home game, it was a thing of beauty. Absolutely. That was a lot of pressure that Coach K put on those kids. <laughs> and, and, I, and I was glad for it because all of that pressure, I knew those freshmen couldn't handle it. All of those former alumni in the stands, and you know, all of the the, the parade, which was well deserved by Coach K. By by all means, again, one of the greatest to ever do it, um, was very much uh, uh, a party for him. But I was glad that it ended the way that it ended. 
And then you move to the NCAA tournament, and this this team just kept getting favorable matchups, I think, more than anything else um, as they moved through. And, of course, ultimately St. Peter's in the Elite Eight. They had kind of uh, run their um, Cinderella uh, story out, and, and Carolina wins by 20. And then you get to the Final Four, and there's Duke again. Yeah, buddy. That was <laughs> – that was. I was hoping that that game didn't happen, but – because like like so the fact that we want it like again hindsight is twenty twenty the fact that we want it yes we we you can everybody can say yeah we wanted that game but I promise you every North Carolina fan was sick to their stomach because again had they won that game it would have it would have put a blemish on the winning camera it would have put a blemish on the season you know that North Carolina was having. And then the fact that Duke could have possibly went on to win a national championship in Coach K's last game, oh, my God. Like, that that would have been nauseating for North Carolina fans. But guess what? It did not happen. We were the ones to finish off and end the Dukies in the Final Four, first time ever. And so, by far, one of the greatest years in North Carolina basketball history. And had we won the national championship, I say this all the time, it would have been the worst year in Duke basketball history. But for now, it, it, it's probably not the worst, but it's definitely top two. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It's close. <laughs> and so now, <laughs> and of course, it didn't go well in the second half against Kansas, but Kansas played a fantastic second half. Coach Bill Self must have given one heck of a halftime speech in the locker room uh, to come back from 15 points down. And, and of course, Carolina finishes national runner-up in a surprise, I think, for a lot of people in Hubert Davis's first year. Now, you transition uh, to Hubert Davis's second year, preseason ranked number one in the country. Uh, you exit Brady Manick. You enter uh, Nance, who is a transfer. Uh, Puff Johnson has a year to mature. R.J. Davis, Caleb Love, Leaky Black coming back for his COVID year, Armando Baycott coming back for one more year. Uh, it kind of seems like 2016 into 2017 all over again where, you know, Theo and Joel came back to make a run at it one last time along with, um, with, with, with Puff's brother Cam. Is this kind of setting up to be another 2016 to 2017 type situation in your eyes? I know a lot has to go right, and a lot had to go right in 17 for that team to win, but it's kind of writing that same story early on. Absolutely. I I do believe that this team is set up to be very, very good this year. Um, I do have a couple, I don't want to call them concerns, but – for for me, Brady Manick was the, was was the key to North Carolina's run and the way that he could shoot the basketball. Now again, you replace that with a Pete Nance, and he is very very formidable the way that Brady Manick was. Um, so, and then what I'm hoping happens is there isn't as much pressure on the starting five to do what they had to do last year, and that's carry the load for an entire game. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that whether it's the freshman whether it's self-tremble or um, one of the other freshmen or whether it's um, 
uh, Dontre Styles in his second year becoming because again he showed some light in the national championship game that moving forward you can be like oh my god he he could be one of those guys and whether it's a Puff Johnson because to to put the expectation on Armando to have the type of season that he had again this year that he had last year to put the expectations on Caleb Love to have the type of year that he had last year is is very very difficult you want them to be close to that. But I don't know. So that that just means we're going to have to have other guys step up. And then, then again, you don't have Brady Manic this year. So as, as great as it is to be ranked number one at the beginning of the season and all that kind of stuff, North Carolina has their work cut out for them. And also, too, like they have one of the toughest schedules mm-hmm. to start out. So it won't surprise me if they if they drop a game early. But hopefully last year taught them how to win in tough situations and and it won't be the the season that they had at the beginning of the year last year where they're losing to these like teams who seem superior and then having to make a run in the NCAA tournament. Hopefully they can be consistent throughout the whole year. They can learn throughout the whole year and the losses that they do have, they're learning experiences like they were for us in 2005. You mentioned that 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 schedule: Indiana, Ohio State, Michigan. Uh, in the preseason, they go to Oregon and play in the Phil Knight Classic. That's going to be tough. Uh, so uh, Hubert has set up a schedule that is going to test them going into ACC play. And of course, the ACC always always tough. Some questions though: uh, Who is going to be? Um, I know that uh, Virginia. You know, you always can't count out Virginia. Uh, Miami has some good players that, that played well last year. Uh, Georgia Tech up and coming. They they had a good surprise year last year. And what will Duke be uh, the first year post coach, post coach K? Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how the ACC shakes out. But uh, you have to feel good about uh, Coach Davis's squad going into that. Oh, yeah, no question. I, I think you feel good about it for sure. Um, and now it's about the execution of it all and understanding – um, how how things are going to work out. And I think on a nightly basis, North Carolina, again, they're going to have to show up and they can't think just because North Carolina's written across their chest that everybody's going to lay down, especially this year. They're not going to catch anybody off by surprise. Everybody knows they're coming. Everybody knows who Caleb Love is. Everybody knows who R.J. Davis is. Everybody knows who, who Leaky Black is. Everybody knows who Armando Baycock is. So they're not going to surprise anybody. They have to go out and dominate people. And and that and I'm hoping that that's the message that they're receiving um, day in and day out as they start this season. Well, David, let's talk a little bit real quick before I let you go about the Motor City Cruise. Talk about uh, that season that's coming up for you as an assistant coach there, acclimating yourself uh, to life in the Midwest. Uh, so, again, I, I was drafted to Milwaukee, so I know a little bit about the, the life in the Midwest. Uh, but luckily, it hasn't gotten too cold yet. It was actually <laughs> about 75 today. So I'm, I'm definitely feeling that weather. But, yeah, it's, it's, I'm, I'm excited for this opportunity. I've, I've learned so much in the, in the couple months that I've been here, uh, being able to participate in Pistons practice, uh, training camp and all that kind of stuff. Um, so it's, it's been really it's, it's been fun. And I, I'm a student of this game. I love this game. I always I, I kind of knew that I was going to be a coach uh, coming down towards the end of my career. So I, I, I'm prepared for this moment. And, and, and every single time I get to step out on that court and pass down the knowledge that I have 
uh, to the younger generation and guys who 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 I have been in their shoes before now. Uh, it's just been special, man. So I, I enjoy it every single day that I get a chance to jump out there on the floor with these guys and help them develop and help them reach their goals. Um, and and it's, 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 it's a blessing every single day. Well, David, thanks so much for joining me. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure to talk to you and, and to relive some great memories uh, for you and for uh, all the North Carolina basketball fans that will listen to this podcast. And good luck on your season with the uh, Motor City Crews. I appreciate it, Robbie, man. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it that I'm your first guest. Makes me feel really, really good. I truly appreciate you having me, brother. Absolutely, David. Thanks so much, and we'll talk again soon. This has been the Raw Sports Report, Episode 7, coming up next week. Thanks for listening.